time management issues. Today, we have decided to have Nick Ayers on the podcast. And Nick, I'm going to let you introduce yourself only because there's a lot of things that you do and I know you have a lot of things going on and I'm very interested in how you introduce yourself. Oh, man. Well, typically, I uh, this is really spo- spontaneous. Usually, it requires uh, some 80s pro wrestling music um, and me walking down the ramp with like smoke and stuff and lights. No. Uh, so <clears throat> that's a nod to all my eighties pro wrestling fans. So Nicholas Ayers, uh, I own an agency, an independent agency here in Northern California in a little town called Vacaville, which if you look on a map is halfway between Sacramento and San Francisco. So we got a really good eclectic mix of Silicon Valley, California Bay area, Napa Valley, Sacramento, uh, just a really kind of interesting uh, demographic. And a lot of people, a lot of opportunity. I've uh, been in insurance for about 14 years. Opened up scratch with zero dollars in the bank and zero policies in the books. Uh, February of 2013. You do uh, what are the other things that you do? Uh, I like to play badminton on the weekends. No, uh, so I uh, also am the co-founder of IAOA. Insurance Agency Owners Alliance, um, which is just a, a group that's dedicated purely 100% focused on independent agency owners. It's an advocacy group and a help group. Um, we put on an annual conference. Um, trying to think of what else you might be fishing for here. No, that's um, it. That's it. Okay. And, <laughs> and um, a two-time speaker at Elevate. That's that's another big mm-hmm. thing. You know, everyone's got to have that feather in their cap, man. I mean, that's a it's like crying on achievement of Very your life, people, right? There. You know what? Uh, when it's when I look back at my life, when I'm old and gray, if I uh, if I can if I can look back and on the mantle of my life, there's there's that. Um, I'd say that I've arrived. I'd, I'd say that it's good. You know, who cares what my kids do or my grandkids do? Two times speaker elevates pretty big. Yeah, I mean enormous, enormous personal achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I mean, not just saying. No, I um, I have incredible respect for 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 many of the things that you do. Uh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you the thing that I have the most respect for. Um, just just in getting this going, get the love fest going here. Um, even if it's only one way, uh, we actually <laughs> we oh. actually often disagree on many things in social media, not about social media, but in the social space, you'll throw something out and we'll have it. And what I actually, one of the, one of the, one of the um, things that uh, attracts me to those conversations is you are one of the few people I know who can have a dissenting opinion from someone else in social media and you never go like, into the dark space, or at least not that I've ever seen. And certainly like you and I have never got there, even though we've disagreed on things. And I, you know, I see these conversations you have and like, it never goes super dark, even when the other side goes dark. And I know how hard that is to do. So I have an incredible amount of respect for that. Well, I can only think of maybe one thing. You don't have to educate me here. Cause I can only really think of one thing that we've ever really probably disagreed on. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, well, I fancy myself kind of more of a, as a sophisticated uh, troll. So there's your regular internet trolls that just want to, you know, 
uh, dump on everything and, you know, you're, they're right, you're wrong, and they hate you. Um, I like to think of myself as a little bit more of a sophisticated one, or maybe a little bit more of an evolved one. Uh, and, and too, like, I just, I'm of the mindset, like, if you don't agree with me, that's cool. I, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have to sleep in your bed at night. So, yeah. um, who cares? Really? Yeah. I mean, at the bottom line, like, you know, when it comes to opinions I and mean, who really cares, I mean, it's not, we're not like, uh, the world's not ending over it. So you think whatever you want. And as long as you don't force me to think what you want, that's totally cool with me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, I bring this topic up only because many of uh, the people in your space and the IAOA space and just the independent agency space in general and people in the 5am club and the different, you're all part of cross cuts of agents across the industry. I feel like there's been um, a pretty interesting movement towards being, towards more content creators. It just feels like people have, there's been a, a shift or I think a lot of people for a long time have, have said, this is important. I should be doing it. I feel like there's a lot more people who are trying to do it are now asking how, like, how do I get better? How do I start and are starting? Um, and it, it's, it's very interesting and fun to watch. Um, and one of the things that I've started to get questions about is when you start putting yourself out into the world more often, you will get negative feedback. And that doesn't mean someone actually trolling you and blasting your YouTube page sure. with, with crappy comments. A lot, some, most of the time it starts as uh, off the record or offline, you know, maybe jiding or deriding or, or just um, why would you spend your time there? Things like that. And um, it's nice to see somebody who creates a lot and puts themselves out into that space who represents a, who who is a good representation of how to handle that type of discourse because it's really tough i mean especially when you're new and you're just trying to produce something and you don't have right. all the confidence in the world to then have people questioning why you're doing it or how you're doing it or the camera you're using or whatever right, right. i mean that's that's tough that's tough uh, outside of Rob McCarthy. Oh, yeah, man. Just, you know, I'm completely cool. It just, it just, cool kills, it just kills confidence. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's a tough one. So, you know, what, what kind of stuff, you know, what kind of advice would you give to those people? Like what kind of things should they be thinking about? Like, how do you, how do you work through it? How did you work through it when you're first starting? I mean, I know today if, if I don't have 10% of the people uh, who follow, who follow my work, like disagreeing with me, then I feel like I'm not pushing the envelope enough. And I don't mean that in a provocative way, just, you know, you're not questioning the right topics if people don't have differences of opinion. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're new, that is maybe that isn't always your goal. Like, how do you, how do you work through that process? How did you work through it? As far as having people question what I was doing or why I was doing it? Yeah. Um, you know, I only, maybe I'm a, a little bit different in this, in this philosophy. I mean, I, I believe in listening to other people's opinions for the most part, but you know, on the flip side of that coin, I mean, if, if you're not somebody that I'm close to, or you're not somebody that I probably respect as, you know, when it comes to an intellect or in this field of space, then I just brush it off. I mean, like your opinion doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I know what I, what I see and what I want. Now, if somebody that I respect and whose opinion that I value and that they have verbal freedom with me comes to me and says, Hey, Nick, you should consider doing this. Then I, you know, then of course it's going to weigh a little bit more, a lot more to me than if some Joe Blow who I've never seen in, in my life says that sucks. You should do something different. Um, I just don't value that opinion. I, I don't really care what the opinion is. Um, like I said, I mean, it's, we can all have difference of, different differences of opinion, and there's a million and one ways to skin the cat. I mean, let's just take video as an example, because I know this it's the it's the hot candy right now. Yes, it is. So you know, 
you know, people will say, well, I use, uh, I use ScreenFlow or I use my cell phone or I use this or someone will say, well, I use, you know, uh, an 80, you know, a Canon 80D or whatever. Like, like who really cares? I mean, the, the consumer for the most part doesn't care. I just think that, you know, if there's an easier way to do it, sometimes I'll voice it, but I'm not like voicing opinions thinking that you have to listen to them because it's the only way to do it. I mean, there's really, all that really matters is that you're consistently doing it and that you, um, you know, you, I like what I use today, I'm not going to use in three years. So if I have to understand that too, for the people that are maybe doing other things, like they're going to graduate to other things. I mean, like you, you're a good example. You started out on ScreenFlow, right? And now you've graduated to, you put your big boy pants on and now you're using Adobe Premiere, right? So like, it, it's cool. Like, and I give you a hard time about that stuff earlier, but it's me just kind of like, yeah. you know, you know, poking you a little bit because I know you can handle it. But when if, if someone start out brand new, I'll give you a good example. Are we allowed to kind of drop names here? Yeah, sure. You know, other agents' names. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all in good. It's all in good context. So you know, I've got a good friend, Nate Bunty, over in Pennsylvania. You know, he's shooting his videos with his, I think it's his iPhone, and he's using, I want to say, like, you know, iMovie or something, but. Now, is that what somebody is that what he'll probably use in five years from now? Probably not. But he's consistently making stuff. And when I watch it, do I watch it with a little bit more like, well, I wouldn't do that and I wouldn't do this or I would do something different? Well, of course. But to him and to his viewers, neither one of them should even be saying those things and they're not. The idea is that he's doing something with consistency and he's doing something on a regular basis and it's still a quality product and he's getting his message out. So if I have an opinion on something or if I'm doing something and somebody has an opinion, I'll take it with a grain of salt and if it's if it's worth implementing, I'll implement it. I'm not gonna get my feelings hurt. If you come to me and say, Well Nick, that really sucks Well, okay, cool. God bless you. You know, who cares? So, you know, maybe it wasn't intended for you anyways. So I mean it doesn't really bother me and I think that would be the advice that I would give maybe people who are up and coming or starting out new things. Just know what you want in the end. Work towards it. Um, stay consistent and you will naturally organically improve anyways. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's, um, you whoa, know, I, whoa, 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 whoa. We <laughs> agree. Yeah. I didn't say we disagreed on everything. I said, we do okay. disagree. And, and most of the what's time, something it's, we, what's something we disagree on? It was, I'm, uh, I'm trying, you know, I said that and I was like, and, and I had it, it was, it, well, these were trivial things. It was something about, I want, for some the reason only thing I have, that I know that we've disagreed on was I'm not, in 2017 and the 2018 version, I'm not the biggest Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Yes, not. that was a big but one. That was are. a big one. Yeah, but you are. But we had a so very, we had I a did. very legitimate, honest discourse on that because I've had people say, and this is the truth, you know. And, and again, this is why I, I said I appreciate it because I've had people because I am a huge fan. I, I, I'm into yeah. it. I like to be motivated. I like all of it. I'm into a shtick. I am. I'm unabashedly. And, hey, and I don't like, I don't, I don't fault people for it. It's just not my thing. Yeah, which is completely cool. And we had that conversation. I've had other people email me and be like, dude, you know, all you do is regurgitate his bullshit and, but you know, and this other stuff. And again, doesn't bother me. Um, uh, I have a, <laughs> you talk about, you talk about negative conversations. I have a guy who sends me a handwritten hate note. Uh, once a quarter um he's an agent from washington state um i won't say his name but he 
consistently writes me a handwritten note talking about my unprofessionalism, my inadequacies, my lack of understanding of how the English language works. You know, there's a whole list of things. This is a guy who listens to every podcast, watches every video, reads every newsletter. Man, he's a fan. Hates across the board. Definitely. Kind of, I'm kind of jealous that I don't get, I don't get, I don't, can I give out my, uh, my address so that he can send me that stuff too? Cause I would love to get that stuff. It's amazing. I have, I keep them. I have all the letters. They're amazing. I mean, it really, in the, the thought process, um, well, so I just, you know, I brought that up because I do think as we become more, con- my, my purpose in bringing up this line of questioning is one, I know you're another guy who's out in the space quite a bit, both as a leader of your agency, a content creator, and someone that puts on a conference and stands in front of those audiences and is a speaker. And that I think we have a lot of up and coming agents who are doing an incredible job of sharing their expertise and their work with the world, um, you know, and they're, they're agents who are selling every day, but they're also, you know, much like you, they're also sharing some of that expertise back with the industry, giving back, which is obviously when I see that, I want to support it and get it out in the world. And I guess my point was, I was just interested in, I know once you start to do that, you're going to get uh, clients who question it. You know, why are you spending your time on that and not doing this? You're going to get colleagues, you're going to get peers, you're going to get potentially, if you're not the owner of the agency, you're going to get ownership questioning it, which is probably the hardest one to deal with. And um, sure. here's probably somebody who you respect, who also has authority on you, but most, but if they're questioning why you'd be creating content, um, maybe has a different viewpoint and, and handling that. So I just was interested in your perspective because I do think it's something that a lot of new content creators who we have in our industry, which I, which is very, very exciting. Um, I just know they deal with it. So I, I'm inter- I was interested in the take. Sure. And you gave it to me. So thanks, Nick. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I would say, um, you know, I used to listen to the Jim Rome show a long time ago, for yeah. many, many years. And, you know, have a, you know, you got to have a take and don't suck, you know, so I, I can do that all day long. Yeah, I used to love I, I used to paint houses in high school and um, it was all Jim Rome. That was we couldn't wait for him to come. Yep. He's the man. Um, yep. All right. So what I what I what I really brought you on the show to talk about was. Uh, your topic at Elevate, which I think is tremendous. And we went back and forth between you doing like video stuff and doing something more like what you're actually going to talk about. And and you said it, video is the hot candy. I, I think um, video is an incredible topic and you could do a great job with that. But what I'm finding, and so I'm going to push us back from talking about that for another second, is what I have been finding recently, and maybe I was naive to this fact or didn't wrap my brain all the way around it, and, and maybe you already have, is, uh, and I'll give you the context. I was speaking to an agent the other day, uh, 37 years old, uh, agency owner, just, I think just took over for his dad or bought the agency, I can't remember now. I say the other day, it was probably a couple months ago. And he and I, he said, Ryan, you know, I, I believe in this video thing. I see you and Sid, and everybody's talking about it, and and uh, I want to start doing it, but I've been inconsistent and I can't get it done. Blah blah. And I said, okay, man, well, what's stopping you right now from hanging up the phone with me and going and cranking out a video, right? Like you're you're the one telling me that you think it's important. What is stopping you from doing it? And his and what he said to me was, well. You know, and this isn't one of her actual names, I can't remember, but, you know, Sally quit seven months ago and I, you know, I don't really know how to find a good CSR. We haven't had a lot of luck and, you know, I, I, I don't think my other staff can take it on. And so I'm, I'm doing a lot of the like CSR work now. And I'm like, you, agency owner, who is the primary producer in the agency, is now also doing customer service work because you don't know how to and or like want to put the work in to figure it out. So like this bell went off in my head that probably should have gone off a long time ago. I, I've, 
I think it's, I think in many ways, operational issues oftentimes are the primary reason that producers, agents, whoever, uh, or, or agency owners aren't doing the sales and marketing that they say they want to do, right? So I'm not telling anyone that they have to do this stuff, but let's, if you're saying you want to do it, but you're not, it's often operational issues that are keeping them from doing it rather than I don't understand LinkedIn tactics. Is there truth to that? Have you, what do you think there? Uh, well, yeah. And I mean, and I think that it's actually a really valid reason and it's, it's a good cause for concern. I mean, my, my issue with a lot of, of the, um, the way that the pendulum, the position that the pendulum is in right now is we have a lot of people, myself included, who have fallen into this trap where, you know, we want to think about sales and marketing, content creation, uh, branding, all that good stuff. And all that stuff is super, super important yet. Uh, and we want to run to all the, all the toys and all the gadgets and all the tricks and all, all, you know, we want to pull everything out of our bag of tricks. And then when it comes to, from an agency owner perspective, when it comes to, uh, figuring out your payroll, you know, you struggle or when it comes to figuring out what your workflows are or when it comes to figuring out those. And, and you can have the greatest sales and marketing in the world. But if you're uh, if you're if you're not built strong in your infrastructure and how you handle things, it could be a real struggle. And uh, I've been there. I get there occasionally. And, you know, it's, it's constantly looking at those things and, and not necessarily wanting to take a step back. But those things do require focus and they rightfully require a lot of focus. I mean, I, you know, I know agents that could edit a really great video, um, but ask them to input something into their management system. It's almost a struggle. And I think you have to have a balance. I think things work more in rhythm than they, that things should work more in rhythm than they do in balance. I think rhythm is a good, is a better word here. Um, or sometimes you're, you're high on one thing and low on another, and then you kind of come up and it's peaks and valleys on certain things. But, um, yeah, I think that's, I think it's a legitimate concern that people need to tie stuff in. And so, when it comes to what we're talking about at Elevate, and if, you're, if you haven't bought a ticket to Elevate yet, I strongly encourage you not to come see me, but to come see guys like Monica Sheridan, uh, guys like Ryan, you know, and all these other people who are going to be there. And we're going to talk to you about the sales and marketing. I'm going to take a little bit different approach, and I'm going to talk about our self-service model and our the way that we use automation, outsourcing, and self-service to run more lean, save more money, have more time, and increase the margin in our life. I mean... I, and there's a lot of things that people, when I say that, they immediately come up with objectives or, uh, or uh, they come up with reasons why that's not a good idea. And we can name them. I'm sure we'll probably get to some of those. But there's a lot of reasons why somebody said, well, I don't want to put automation in my agency. I don't want self-service. I don't want outsourcing. I don't want those things. But you know, if, we, if you want to be freed up to do certain things, number one, just in your personal life, but also in your professional life, I mean, you have to put these systems and processes in place for the longevity of your career, your employee's career, your your agency as a whole, you have to look at things a little bit more holistically and and really begin to build this foundation of we're gonna do uh, we're gonna we're gonna be more efficient with our time. Our customers are going to enjoy the experience and we're gonna present it in a way that's very easy and digestible for them to understand and, and implementation is gonna be good, which has been the case for us. I mean, as an example, um, you know, we have a self, you know, we have self-service in our agency. Now it's not true self-service because we can't connect to our, our carriers. Um, so somebody can't make a change in real time, but 
you know, we, we have a way that, that customers can come in and we can work more efficiently because here, here's, here's, the, here's the history lesson. And this, and this is why, and I'm, if I'm rambling, you interrupt me at any time. No, so this is, I'm letting you roll, man. Keep going. Here's the history lesson as to how we implemented this. When we started out in 2013, we wanted to be, you know, we wanted to be very accessible, right? Who doesn't want to be accessible when you're first starting out because you don't want to lose clients, you don't want to lose influence, you don't want to lose money. And so we would tell people, you can email us, you can text us, you can go on Facebook, you can go on Twitter, you can go at the time, you can go on Foursquare, wherever. Like you can, you can, you can connect with us with like seven or eight different ways, and you can request a quote, request a policy change, blah blah blah, woo woo, woo all those things. And that's all. That all sounds great. The problem with that, Ryan, was that people started doing that. And became a real problem because now we have a, a staff that uh, is getting all this different inbound requests from all these different channels, and it was not efficient. Things were falling through the cracks. We'd have people say, "Hey, I want." They'd, they'd call in and they'd say, "Well, I have to add a card to my policy," and my CSR would have to drop the five things that she was already doing and pick up that sixth thing and do it because it was a fire that she had to put out because somebody was on, on a lot. Now. What we've done is we've simplified the process. We built a self-service portal where everything integrates, or for the most part, everything integrates. It reduces the friction between customer and service. It reduces the amount of programs that our CSRs and our staff has to be in from a carrier standpoint, an email, management system, all those things. It, it simplifies the process, and it allows us to work more in order. We've since brought in an outsourcing team that takes care of all of our tasks, 90% of our service load, so that things get done fast, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You go on there, you submit something, there's automation that's built into the process. There's other integrations like text messaging, letting you know that we've received your ticket, that we're working on your ticket. There's automation that when things are done, you get more you know, correspondence from us, uh, asking you to rate, our, our, you know, rate the experience. And it just allows us to, to be more free, allows us to reduce our staff from a staff of four service members down to one and a half, which depending on the market you're in, could be a lot of money. So it allows us to be more efficient, more profitable, allows us to deliver a better experience. And it's relatively easy to do. Why do you think so many agencies uh, would object to self-service? Well, I can give you the ones that they tell me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the ones that I, I hear often are, I don't want to lose personal touch. I think it's a real valid concern. I think it's an ignorant one. Um, and I use ignorant in the most lovingly way possible. So break this down. I don't want to lose personal touch. Let's define personal. What, let's define what's worse here. Them working with self-service. Well, here, here, let's take one step back. I believe that the greatest driver for behavior now is not what brings someone pleasure or pain. That used to be the, the biggest driver for human behavior. And I think that's still very important. But I believe what causes people to make decisions today or what, what brings people value today is more empowerment. People want to be empowered. It's why Netflix is Netflix. It's why Amazon is Amazon. It's why companies today that empower their customers thrive. And so I think we have to bring this psychology into our agencies. And customers want to be empowered. They want to have the feeling like they have control. And so what we've done is we, we've, we've built along this model. You go onto our website, everything is very intuitive, 
you go to, onto the portal. It's very mobile friendly. It, it works on any device. It's beautiful on mobile, by the way. Um, and you can request the change that you want. You get automation tied back into it. And it's beautiful. Now, the objection is, is I don't want to lose personal touch. Well, what's worse? Them having that experience or them, or, or you saying I want to keep personal touch, not getting to the task when they want it done, which is now, and then them finding a solution that's different than yours. What's worse? I think the solution is when they leave your agency because they, they're going to find the disruption that they're seeking. And I hate that word disruption, but I just used it. When they find the disruption that they're seeking and the model that they want that fits their needs according to the behavior that and the, and the, the way that they've been conditioned, then I think that's I, – I, I'd much rather give them the empowerment to make the decision. It's a differentiator between any other agency or most other agencies. And it, I think it's a real value proposition that could be given to our customers, and they really like it for the most part. Yeah, so that's one objection. Yeah, is, is is the I don't I don't want to lose personal touch. There's two things. The other um, objection I oh go ahead go ahead sorry go ahead. I wanted to add one thing to that, and um, I would say my, my my other one's completely different. Yeah, empowerment and time. I would say. I think people want to be empowered and they want to, I think their time is infinitely more valuable to them than it was even 10 years ago because there was an expectation that things took a certain amount of time. I think today the expectation of of what some, the amount of time a transaction should take has drastically been reduced and um, I think time is very important. The other, the other idea that I wanted to throw at you um, before you move on to the next one was is this idea of personal touch. And I think I think part of the issue with the self-service, because I completely agree with you that, that this, this idea of personal touch is, is a huge objection. I, this goes to an idea that I, that I threw out a few years ago, which is we have to, we have to stop. This personal touch doesn't mean me, the agent, how I want to have personal touch. It's how do, how do they want to have personal touch, right? It used to be I could dictate to you, you know, how I wanted to do business. So for me, it's important that I sit across the desk from you. Well, if you're, if you were to do business with Ryan Hanley, with, with me, the human being, I can have, feel like I'm getting a personal touch from you just texting, texting me back or sending me an right. email, right? That to me is enough to, for me to feel like I'm getting personal touch. So I don't need, I don't right. want to come in and sit across the desk from you. And I think it's it's starting to release what how we feel as as agents and, and starting to think how the, cost, what does the customer think is personal touch? I, that's, I guess, does that right. make sense and that's, saying? And that's, that's the follow-up. I mean, yeah, you have to define what personal touch is. Is personal touch, does personal touch mean I have to physically call you or go to where you live or work and physically shake your hand and look you in the eye? Is that personal touch? Or is the value going to be in, I want something, I want it done right now. And because at, at the end of the day, that's what customers want. They just want it and they want it done right and they want it done right now. And to them, that's just as important, if not more important than having the ability to shake my, you know, my soft hands, my, my, my very feminine hands. Like they, they don't, I mean, and, and there's always going to be a demographic that wants that and that's fine. And you can still cater to that. I mean, this is the idea of implementing these processes and procedures should free you up to still do some of that stuff. But this is giving 
your client base, it's giving your market a, a, a more streamlined, efficient way of doing things. And it's really, it's, it's a benefit to your staff. Yeah. I mean, now my staff doesn't have to feel like they're, they're spinning five plates at once. They can work on things and just be more efficient in order because the automation has done what it's doing. Our outsourcing team is doing what they're doing. And we can actually be more proactive with our clients and giving them that quote unquote personal uh, personal touch. We can we can call them up and say, Hey Ryan, I saw that it was your birthday uh, yesterday. I hope everything was going great. Blah blah blah. You know, it gives you that. It gives it frees you up to be more efficient, to do those things, to be more proactive, to be more of an account manager. So I, the personal touch is a big thing, but I think people have to define what personal touch really actually is. Um, and, and they have to maybe come off of the concept that it, it only means one thing. Um, personal touch is like, just like you said, getting it done, getting it done quick and getting it done right. Getting it done the first time. Um, that's a huge value to, <laughs> that's a huge value to me. I think that's a huge value to many people. They just want, they don't, they want to get it done. They don't want to have to wait between the hours of nine and five to do their business. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I was going to ask you that. I, my, my belief, and I, and I found this even in, in my own work when I was still an agent, is that when you start to automate some of these tasks, you, 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 I don't know that a car change is ever going to feel like a personal touch to a client, but you sending them a personalized thank you video, and I know you do some of that stuff, that's very much a personal touch and something you would never have right. time for if you're spending all that time doing car changes. So. The guy, the guy that uh, you referenced that is running an agency, selling policies, doing service, I mean, that is, I mean, how long can you really keep that up? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a struggle. I mean, that, that, that's a real struggle. So yeah, I mean, you, it frees you up to do those other things that are real, you know, add values to, to your clients. Yeah. So you had a number two objection before I cut you off there. Yeah. A number two, a number two, and I don't, this one is kind of a touchy one. And so I have to, I have to kind of skate around how I'm going to, uh, how I'm going to <laughs> answer the objection. The one I hear a lot other than the, other than the personal touch is when it comes to, uh, outsourcing, they'll say, how can you give somebody overseas this work and and outsources outside you know and as opposed to hiring somebody here in the country and it's this you know how do I want to phrase it it's this this and I, and I, I the, the, the the patriotic uh, you know we, we only hire American I get it like I and I don't think it's a bad thing um, <laughs> what I always ask them is, you know, because this, this was a topic I had with, a, with an agent uh, recently. They were switching their management systems and they were talking about the, the amount of money that management system A was going to charge them for transferring their data to management system B. And my response was, why don't you just hire a VA overseas who will do that for dirt cheap and just do it manually? It'd be a lot cheaper and probably faster. And the response was, well, I prefer to keep the, the jobs here in America. And I thought, well, you don't think that the management system company that you're hiring, you think they're just keeping that job in America? They're probably outsourcing it too and marketing it up to you anyways. Um, so, or to say that your companies that you don't do business with don't outsource as well. I understand the, the, the objection. And if that is somebody that I talk to and that they're just dead set on that, I'm not going to change their mind. And I'm not even going to try to. I'm We'll try to maybe give them a little bit different perspective on it. Um, you know, I 
I would love to feed somebody's family in Flint, Michigan, but I'm not going to pay five times more for that than I can pay somebody else who will do it faster, quicker, better than that person and risk feeding my own family. So it's just a different perspective. uh, And I realize it's not for everybody. Um, And if I could hire just people born in the the US of A, I would do it. Um, But it becomes from a business perspective and from a pure capitalism perspective, um, I'm going to seek other uh, competitive advantages. And a competitive advantage for us is to hire somebody overseas to do stuff uh, at a fraction of the cost. What I have, uh, what I, what we pay for uh, outsourcing our, our, our phones, our service, um, our automation, all that stuff put together, it costs what one full-time employee would cost. Less than, less than, I mean, for, that, less than what one full-time employee costs. So it's just opportunity cost at this point. Like, what, what, where am I going to benefit? Um, and what's the real? Is is it really worth it to? do that because it's always been done. I mean, outsourcing is only going to get bigger. It's only going to get more prevalent and you're not going to change it. You're not going to fight it. It's just the way it is now. And it's only going to get more and more, um, momentum. So, you know, I don't think it's, I think the people that claim to this idea that we only hire in America, I, I, I respect you. I love you. I don't disagree with you fully. Um, I'm just not, subscribing to that ideology because it doesn't always make business sense. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I pretty much my viewpoint align. I, I think if you're really hung up on it. Um, so what, so the first thing, uh, before you even talk about outsourcing out of the country is many agencies struggle to think that they could even hire someone who doesn't sit butt in seat in their office. So like, Things like work from home or distance working and, you know, anything like that. Um, actually, Sydney just did a, a great interview with, um, I'm going to forget his name. Um, uh, geez, he, he works for an agency in the Midwest and he, they have like 30 some odd employees and more than half of them don't work in their office. Uh, Spencer Holden, mm-hmm. who I did uh, an interview with, he has yeah. uh, three days a week work from home for his entire staff, right? I mean, there are ways that you can work into saving costs and, you know, if, if, you know, if this outside the U.S. is a huge bugaboo to you, there's wave, there's distance, there's work from home. There's all different ways that you can save sure. on in-office cost. And, and here's the other thing, actually, that I learned from Spencer that I think is an enormous benefit here is uh, so he has saved on HR expense and management uh, time because because the people aren't sitting in his office. They don't get in fights mm-hmm. with each other. So, you know, right. he's like, he's like the fact that we've, we've made our, our office, you know, people uh, staggered two days a week in the office. He's like, and they were actually thinking about going down to just one um, was it, it's completely reduced the time that he's, you know, Johnny and Sally are fighting because one wants it at, you know, 67 degrees and the other wants it at 73 degrees. That's yeah. not an issue for you. But, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it, that that's a, it's, it's an excellent it's an excellent point i mean and the other you know the other point that i would i do that that's very parallel to that is um so the way our setup is now is somebody goes online they submit uh, a change request they get automation that lets them feel and think that the request is being processed and done according according to that time which it is and then our processing team takes that request 
and they complete it within an hour. So whether you do that at two o'clock in the afternoon or two or two in the morning, they're twenty four seven. And so it uh, it makes us way more efficient. We get everything done, or most everything done, and I don't have to have as many people in the office where those other organic problems can come about. Um, and you know, it's it's just when people argue with me, I just go. This is, I don't understand how you think you're winning this argument. It's just, this is like a no brainer. I'm like, why would you not do this? Well, it's isolationism and I think false. It's just the way it's it's the way that it's, it's the same thing. You talk about marketing or you talk about anything else. It's, it's just the way that everything's always been done. So therefore that's the way that it always should be done. And it's just not the way it works in 2018. Yeah. You know, I also think, you know, just because I've heard this same argument too, um, is, if, so think about this. If, if, so if the idea is, well, you know, I want that money to stay in our ecosystem. Okay, I, sure. I, I can I can buy sure. that. I'll, I'll listen to that point and let's let's think through that, right? So you, agency owner or staff, right? Um, you outsource some of the work that you would normally have to pay somebody with benefits and all this kind of stuff, which most people don't think about. Um, you know, you have all these additional costs, all this additional time, all this time that you're not spending. Well, if that yields higher margins, more revenue, you can then hire more producers or people that that you do need in your shop or 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 need to hire in the United States. So you can hire more there, or you have more disposable income that you can then spend back into the community. So maybe. Maybe it's not you're not serving the community with that those particular dollars in like paying someone who sits in your office, but ultimately that money is going back into the ecosystem. So to think that right. a few dollars spent on 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 this type of on providing a better customer service by outsourcing a few employees who sit in India or wherever um, is really impacting the overall. Um, ecosystem to me i just feel like you're fighting a battle that's not even worth fighting i mean that that's my personal opinion and again i don't mean it's more, i don't it's, think they're wrong i I, just, I i agree i agree it's it's purely philosophical for the most part yeah it's a, it's a it's an ideology and you know when you are fighting ideology it's hard to sometimes fight any ideology with even though you have facts on your side um and, and logic uh ideology is ideology and there's sometimes it's just a losing battle no matter what you yeah. are talking about and so um i simply tell people what are what we do and if they're opposed to it well you know hey again i don't have to sleep in your bed i don't have to work in your agency you know you do you have fun um God bless you. Have fun. Here's what I can say is that if you come to Elevate and you listen to Nick's session, how to self-service, how self-service outsourcing automation, save my agency time and money. If you come to this session, these are the things that are stopping you from being able to do do the fun shit, in my opinion. Like I I remember, you know, I... When I put my agency hat on, when I talk to my wife, when I think about these things, when I talk to my father-in-law and, you know, and sometimes, you know, he'll come and ask me questions because he knows I talk to a lot of agencies. It's like, these are the things from my perspective that are really holding us back from growth. It's not that you can't sell because we all can sell. It's not that we can't market because really marketing is not that hard, right? Um, You know, nothing that I do on a daily basis is rocket science. That's like the brilliance of my job is I don't have to be incredibly intelligent. It's this stuff that you really, the hard, you know, this this stuff to me is the hard stuff is making these tough decisions, is figuring out these processes and being dedicated to working them all the way through. It's not just 
buying Infusionsoft. It's how do you make that tool actually do the things right. that you need it to do to, to help you. And, and as you put here, um, you know, it, working through the customer journey from a firsthand viewpoint, right? I mean, that's, that's really what this is about is providing a better customer experience. And if what you're saying is, uh, I would rather provide a worse experience to my customers to adhere to an ideology of not hiring anyone from outside the country. Again, that's perfectly fine in your decision. I just don't know how that works for your company in the long run. Um, and yeah, again, I mean, yeah, so for those, just, those, that, those that come to Elevate, uh, tell them about your ticket, buy your ticket, uh, but those that come to Elevate and sit in my session, um, I believe it's 45 minutes long. I'm going to spend just five minutes going over some basic philosophy, but then I'm going to spend 40 minutes taking you through the journey of this is what it looks like. This is how it works. This is what step one is. This is what the wording looks like. I'm going to put you, you're going to go through it where you submit a ticket. You see the automation. I'm going to, I'm going to change all the triggers just for this, this event. And you're going to see all the automation in real time, getting it really quick from the emails to the text, to the, to the survey request. You're going to see all of that within 40 minutes so you can experience it. But more so than that, so you can go back and essentially copy it um, and you can see how the steps look you can see how it feels you can you can see it from a first-hand customer viewpoint um, so you can it's gonna be very very blueprint very tactical very if this happens then that happens type uh, type presentation Dude, I am so glad that you are so willing to share uh, your expertise, your experience with the industry. Um, you're an asset that we uh, we are very happy to have you at Elevate again. I, I, I joked about it at the beginning, but the, the truth is um, it's time away from your family. It's time away from your business. I know that and I appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot to me that you would do it. Guys, if you haven't got your ticket because you listened to this episode, um, I'm going to give you $100 off your ticket. Use the discount code SPECIAL100. You can tell your friends, whoever, SPECIAL100. Under, you know, lowercase special 100 at checkout, get $100 off your ticket, come to Elevate. Um, you know, this is, it's, it's a special event. Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot to live up to because I heard, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to go this year because, well, it's Nick's fault that I didn't go because he recommended me to Gary Vaynerchuk's event. Um, so I did that. Um, but we have a lot to live up to. I think we're going to do it. It's going to be worth the time. It's going to be worth your effort. It's gonna, you're going to get to meet great people like Nick and, and hear these lessons because this is the stuff that takes you to the next level. And then when you get through this stuff, the marketing is easy and it takes you to a whole nother level. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your time and thank you for being with us. No worries, man. I look forward to seeing everybody in Cleveland. Cleveland Rocks. And uh, anybody has any questions, let me know. Yeah, cool. Thanks, brother. I do. Awesome, dude. If they show love, I'ma show it back. If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back. I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. Alright, yeah, let's do that again. If they show love, I'ma show it back. If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back. I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. Alright, yeah, let's get into it. A lot of things have happened since we last spoke. Like smash hopes, half empty, not as glass is broke. And I'm the captain of this crash boat So when it's time to sink and swim I always choose to do the backflow I know that not a lot of humans are as sharp as I am My modesty's my greatest quality It's not, I'm lying I know I'm only just alright With this hard of rhyming No, I'm not applying myself In fact, I'm hardly trying 
But just imagine what would happen if I stuck to rapping Man, I'd probably have a helicopter and a couple mansions With some guard dogs and a bunch of fans they love attacking Probably not, but it's fun to imagine Hey yo, I can't complain of where I'm at, I'm just happy to be here I'd be ecstatic if we happen to have a repeat here Thanks to Pro Leader, I'm rapping the heaters while passing the reefer Man, that's what I call having a breather If they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to